Hello, and welcome to Inside Policy Talks, the premier video podcast of the Macdonald-Laurier Institute, Ottawa's most influential public policy think tank. At the Macdonald-Laurier Institute, we harness the power of Canada's brightest minds to tackle Canada's greatest challenges. Learn more at macdonaldlaurier.ca. Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is Dr. Balkan Devlin. I am a senior fellow and the director of the Transatlantic Program at the Macdonald Laurier Institute. And welcome to Inside Policy Talks. Um, today, I am with two of the greatest experts on Indo Pacific and China uh, in Canada to talk about the foreign interference uh, inquiry that was finally <laughs> announced um, last week. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Jonathan Berkshire Miller, Director of the Foreign Affairs, National Security, and National Defense here at MLI, and Dr. Charles Burden, uh, one of the leading experts on China and the uh, Chinese Communist Party um, here in Canada, and a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute. Uh, gentlemen, uh, welcome. Thank you. Um, well, this has been, uh, you know, long coming. Um, the 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 whole debate about whether we should have a, 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 an inquiry regarding the foreign interference um, that due to the revelations that uh, the, the press um, had uh, over the past year uh, about how the Chinese Communist Party tried to subvert uh, Canadian democracy and Canadian institutions. Um, the, the government uh, initially appointed a special rapporteur, which uh, you know was largely a flop in terms of convincing the Canadians uh, broadly that this has been taken seriously. And finally, the government seemed to sort of give in to, uh, uh, you know, setting up a public inquiry um, to look at foreign interference in, in, in Canadian democracy. Um, but, you know, uh, is this is this good enough? Um, this is what we want to uh, want to talk about today. So let me start with you, Charles, um, since, you know, you have been um, in at the forefront of, of uh, Chinese uh, interference and intimidation. Uh, when it comes to uh, no, highlighting the dangers uh, from the CCP uh, uh, subversion here in Canada, uh, way before all these uh, leaks uh, came out and way before the, the, the Canadian public broadly uh, was aware of that. Um, could you provide us a little bit, uh, an overview of what you see as uh, sort of the terms of the inquiry uh, and how it looks like and what it's supposed uh, to address? Uh, and then uh, we'll take it from there. Well, I mean, the inquiry is entitled uh, Public Inquiry into Foreign Interference and Federal Electoral Processes and Democratic Institutions. And the government has not limited it to uh, China, although, you know, the documents that have been released uh, through the Global Mail and Global News were all related to Chinese uh, uh, state uh, and uh, regime associated uh, foreign interference. So I think primarily the materials that we're looking at are about China. I think over the years that I've been um, writing about this, you know, most of my information was based on circumstantial evidence um, and also comparing um, comparable um, Chinese government uh, regime associated activities in other countries, particularly Australia and New Zealand that had some quite strong revelations about the malign nature of a large proportion of the diplomatic cohort of the People's Republic of China in their country. Um, what we have now is the release of these uh, intelligence assessments from the Canadian Security Intelligence Service 
and from the Intelligence Assessment Secretariat of the Privy Council Office that are based on wiretaps and, um, and surreptitious uh, um, monitoring of um, communications between Chinese diplomats uh, themselves and between Chinese diplomats and other actors. So, you know, the issue has suddenly taken on a, a much more um, uh, life than, than it might have had you know, in my literally a couple of hundred uh, op-eds of which, you know, a good proportion have mentioned the influence aspect. I think the bottom line here is, um, you know, the issues that we are concerned about are Chinese diplomats who are not performing normal diplomatic functions, you know, due to one of the agents of the Chinese Ministry of State Security being outed in one of the documents, Zhao Wei. Uh, this gentleman was um, declared persona non grata and returned to China. But what about the others? Um, in the course of evidence to parliamentary committee, there was a suggestion that 70% of China's very large cohort of 176 diplomats is engaged in these influence uh, and uh, intimidation operations on behalf of the Ministry of State Security and the Chinese Communist Party's United Front Work Department. So will would we see after this report more diplomats expelled? Then there's the, the other question of um, state harassment of diasporas that's mentioned as part of the mandate in, in I think, uh, Clause C3. Um, quite significant. Can we actually protect people in Canada from um, harassment and intimidation activities of a foreign state beyond what we've done so far, which is with regard to the family of a parliamentarian? Um, and then we want to see, uh, can we get a foreign influence transparency registry so that people who have been perhaps greedy and naive enough to receive benefits from the Chinese state can be forced to declare that publicly so that we would perceive if people in the policy process might have a, a conflict of interest. So, you know, there are a number of issues which are sort of floating out around there. And I, you know, the, the, the inquiry has already been restricted by the last clause in the Privy Council's term of reference which says that um, Justice uh, Og will only have access to cabinet documents that were already provided to the independent special rapporteur, David Johnston. So there seems to be already, right in the terms of reference, a suggestion that she will not be receiving um, uh, everything that she might want to see. And I think there's also the question of how much money and how many resources will be devoted to an exercise, the first phase of which is supposed to terminate in February. Will she have a large staff of qualified lawyers who will have this kind of pit bull interrogation of people in the government elite who may um, have reason to not be forthcoming about why they suppressed information with regard to Chinese uh, interference and influence activities or you know, if they if they did have a conflict of interest, we we need we really need to get to the bottom of this and get it cleared up before the next election. And so far, I don't think we have enough information to be able to determine whether that result is likely to occur. Uh, excellent, uh, gentlemen. I'll, I'll turn in a minute. But to me, as 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 Charles pointed out, two things sort of stand out. One, uh, 
this is almost textbook uh yes minister yes prime minister sir humphrey style of public inquiry um as as as, as the famous uh, british um uh, political satire show um suggests uh, one of the first rules of government is don't look into things that you don't have to and the second is never uh, you know start an inquiry if you don't know uh, the, the 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 outcome um and the 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 last clause right there that you pointed out um suggests to me that they 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 the the, the government is really very very closely watching uh that particular uh, particular show the second is that it seems to be sort of a kitchen sink model uh of throwing everything that has to do with, uh, with with foreign interference. And I'm not particularly sure, and this is where I'm going to turn to, to Jonathan in a minute, I'm not sure this is a particularly um, good way of, of doing it because all those um, issues, I think, important and distant in a way that needs to be dealt with. There is the issue of election interference uh, in the elections in 2019 and 2021 by the uh, agents of, uh, of Chinese Communist Party. Um, and, you know, who knows what, when, uh, within the innovation of government about those allegations. So there is one sort of uh, line of inquiry that needs to be done about the responsibility of that. Another one, as you pointed out, is the targeting and intimidation of the diaspora communities. It goes beyond just the Chinese uh, interference, but uh, Russia, uh, Iran, and others are playing a big role in targeting uh, that in, in, in our, our friends' um, uh, in Alliance Hong Kong, Canada, for example, I've been receiving an end of it. You have been at the receiving end of it. Um, our, our, our friend and colleague Marcus Kolga have been at the receiving end of the Russian intimidation and harassment. Um, so that is another um, uh, line of inquiry. And then the third one that is about what is within the system, the Canadian system, that needs to be um, uh, you know, corrected to deal with these foreign powers trying to subvert our democratic institutions beyond election interference. So by creating this sort of um, kitchen sink model, throwing everything in there and limiting the, the, the scope uh, quite, um, quite restrictively, um, uh, are we going to get what we want to get? Um, so Jonathan, let me turn to you on this and see how you see the sort of both the mandate uh, of the inquiry and these different aspects of it. And how, how does that perhaps fit in broadly to, um, to the need for Canada to think differently uh, when it comes to uh, geopolitics. This is not, um, you know, your, your grandfather's uh, 1990s anymore. Um, and these, these foreign actors are, are very active in trying to subvert our democracy. Uh, where do we stand on that one? Well, thanks so much. I mean, I, I would echo many of the comments that, that Charles already made. Um, but I think fundamentally we have two things going on here. Um, you know, when thinking about the public inquiry, and I think Charles eloquently talked about some of the, the failures, I mean, frankly, from the beginning uh, with, with David Johnson's uh, report and, and process. Um, when thinking about this new inquiry, I think there's two fundamental different discussions uh, that are going on. Both of them are equally important, but I think trying to get uh, uh, manageable and um, impactful sort of result at the end of it, I think is challenged because of the vague nature. So the two things going on here, first of all, we have the challenge specifically with Chinese interference um, and it more specifically with regards to uh, the last two federal elections. Um, what the government knew, what the government did not know, uh, trying to get the answers specifically about that, in addition to other uh, challenging issues that, such as the harassment of, of uh, parliamentarians um, and, and other challenges with our diaspora. Uh, those are issues that I think specifically need to be dealt with, and those are state-specific. 
The second issue, I think, is the more broad uh, dilution of, of this, uh, this inquiry on foreign interference. This is not to say that foreign interference is not a, a problem uh, beyond China, but I think of this fundamentally in three baskets. We have, number one, uh, the intentions of a foreign actor. Uh, we have the, the capabilities of a foreign actor. Uh, and then we have the impact of those capabilities and those intentions. So basically, um, we have other actors. We could talk about Russia, and this institute often does talk about Russia. Uh, we can talk about Iran. Uh, both interfere uh, significantly uh, in our democracy. I've heard North Korea being discussed now. I mean, again, North Korea is, is a bad global actor. Am I worried about North Korea from a foreign interference perspective at the same way that I'm worried about uh, China or Russia or even Iran? No. So what I'm trying to say here is that um, for us to give this broad basket, um, I think, you know, we'll take away from the primary challenges, the primary capability threats, uh, as uh, in addition to those intentional threats that I think China clearly ahead uh, above heels is the number one challenge for us. Um, the second thing that I'm going to be focused on, so this is the problem with the, the vague element of this inquiry, but I think we down the road, we also have to think about the impact. So the so what, I guess, question is um, we want to hear the answers, and I think Canadians deserve to hear the answers about some of the unresolved questions, in particular on the elections. But I think and I hope, uh, you know, as an institute that's focused on public policy, that we're actually thinking about how do we remedy some of this? Um, and Charles, of course, has done great work on this and touched on this in his initial comments, uh, whether it's about a, a foreign influence uh, registry scheme, which which I think we've argued, several of our senior fellows have argued for, for years is necessary. The Australians, obviously, there's imperfections in their act, but basically they have... They have taken those efforts. Our British colleagues have, have enacted new uh, legislation on this as well. So from a Five Eyes perspective, so our closest allies, we are be behind the eight ball uh, on getting very serious uh, about that, and that will have consequences. The second thing is it's not just pieces of legislation, but I think we need the tools uh, within government uh, to start working more seriously on this. Um, uh, with the last cabinet shuffle, the Trudeau government uh, announced a, a National Security Council, quote unquote. But when you start looking into the details, this is not a National Security Council. Effectively, this is a few members of cabinet meeting and talking about national security, which those those sort of functions already exist. So a properly staffed National Security Council uh, with experts, some of those potentially from the outside uh, coming in, I think all of these tools are, are necessary to deal with a, a lot of these challenges. Otherwise, we're just going to be having public inquiries uh, every five and six years because we're not trying to uh, resolve the issues. No, excellent. Um, Charles, let me turn to you on, on, on two points. I think you, you have identified and Jonathan um, you know, sort of re-emphasized. Uh, when it comes to to the public inquiry, on the on the one hand, um, uh, as as you were also writing this this morning in uh, in, in the Globe, uh, this is uh, this goes beyond right the, uh, the the just election interference, and uh, we know that in in our allies with the with, with the British recent you know sort of um, uh, revelations that the two people uh, that are working uh, for the um, China Working Group in in the in the British Parliament. Um, and have access to uh, the, the the strongest critiques of of, of China uh, have been arrested researchers that have been recruited when they were uh, probably um, students in, in in China. Um, you know, and it's it would be naive to think that you know the, the, 
Britain is the only country that that China is 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 doing this. So uh, on the one hand, this is very clearly that that goes way beyond just the election um, interference component, the whole uh, intimidation, the secret police stations, etc. Um, and are there enough uh, within the within the uh, within the inquiry uh, within the scope of the inquiry to, to be able to deal uh, deal with this? And the second question is, um, if you were designing uh, an inquiry to deal with these allegations. Or, or, or a number of um, mechanisms, inquiries or, or commissions and whatever have you, uh, what would you be doing? Yeah, I think those are great questions. Uh, you know, with regard to the first, which is the problem of agents of the Chinese state uh, infiltrating into key positions in Canadian democratic institutions, you know, clearly we aren't doing enough to to establish who these people are. I mean, in the Globe and Mail documents, there was allusion to 13 staffers of, of members of parliament who appeared to be collaborating with the Chinese. Well, I was waiting to hear about how all those people had been at least removed from their positions or possibly brought up before a court of law to be accountable. And, um, you know, crickets, absolutely nothing. So presumably they're still functioning if in fact, this is reliable information. So I, I think when you look at other countries that have these issues, the idea that we can dismiss, as as you know, as one of our prominent senators has said, is you know it may be happening in Australia, but it couldn't possibly be happening here in Canada. You know, it's not something that I can. Uh, you know, I'd like us to look into that a bit more closely uh, before we reject the possibility. So, you know, uh, that that is a question of resources. Um, you know, uh, how do you how do you uh, um, engage in proper security assessment of people who spend a lot of time in a country that that uh, they disappear into a black box. I mean, myself, after four years of education in China, I, I don't think I'm a sleeper agent for the Chinese, but, you know, how would you know? Um, we need to put a lot more resources and expertise into this kind of work. And this really reflects the second question, which is, you know, the challenge that we're facing is so enormous. If there are, say, 120 Chinese diplomats who are involved in this security and, and influence operations and uh, disinformation tailored to the Canadian market through um, Chinese language publications, um, you know, how many people do we need to counter it? Evidence was given in Parliament uh, in the course of the investigations of these documents that suggested that uh, the Chinese Communist Party's United Front Work Department, which oversees these kinds of influence and interference operations, has more resources and personnel than the entire Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And they have about 50,000 people working in Beijing. Well, if our inquiry consists of sending one justice of the Quebec Superior Court with no previous experience in security matters into a secure room and handing her you know, a pile of several thousand pages of of uh, relevant documents, which are then interpreted for her necessarily by people who, in fact, may, um, you know, not be neutral in this matter, then I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of it. And clearly, to counter a very large Chinese um, presence in in Canada, very well funded, um, including, as you alluded to, you know, um, operations off the site of the embassies and consulates in these so-called um, police stations are really um, service centers for um, Chinese regime activities, not to speak of the Confucius Institutes, which 
perform a similar um, function of extension of Chinese um, uh, influence and uh, and um, espionage operations. Uh, how can we possibly expect to get to the bottom of it and and um, determine what sort of legislation and measures we need to address it? And when are we going to get the number of of uh, security agents with the requisite Chinese language expertise to be able to counter these matters? I mean, our the numbers of our personnel, both in, say, the rapid response mechanism of the G7 headquartered in GAC, or in CSIS, or in the RCMP, uh, that have the requisite ability to meet a very well-organized, sophisticated, very well-funded challenge by a foreign state is pretty pathetic. And, you know, I, 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 it, it, we, we won't be able to solve it in, uh, in, in six months. It's something that requires a fundamental shift in our understanding of what's going on and taking the appropriate measures to give us the tools to counter a threat to our security and sovereignty and the integrity of our democratic institutions. Um, to me, it looks like, and I think you, you, you put quite eloquently, uh, in the fact that this the, 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 the announcement of policy seems to replace the execution of policy. Um, and, uh, the, the, and this is broadly not only on this, on this particular issue, but in a broad range of uh, other issues, domestic and foreign. When the government feels like when they make an announcement, their job is done. They don't feel like they need to uh, properly resource it carry it out, execute and deliver on that. And that, you know, uh, sort of substituting announcement for policy execution is undermining uh, Canadian security and prosperity. Um, and I think this sort of uh, announcing, as you pointed out, something that needs to be very well resourced, really, you know, um, uh, we, we are up against, you know, one of the sort of most, um, uh, you know, well-resourced adversaries here. Um, and and trying to do this by 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 just fiat by by making an announcement without uh, you know properly funding this properly resourcing this uh, is is just going to be here's an announcement we did it but you know no no real no real policy delivery uh, but this also undermines our our credibility uh, and 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 trust with with our partners and that's where I want to turn to Jonathan here uh, you pointed out the you know how our firefighters allies are are dealing with this. And it's of course increasing strategic competition between U.S. and China, and um, you know our, our, our American allies are increasingly vocal about Canada's um, uh, lack of action, particularly when it comes to uh, uh, the, you know, China uh, and Chinese interference around. How does you know failure to deal with this in a serious way uh, would impact uh, our credibility and and therefore naturally our interests and uh, the, the the way we can protect our and promote our interests? Uh, abroad and with our allies, uh, what will be the Im impact on this? Well, it's a great question. I think some of the impact you're already seeing, um, you know, so from a macro level, uh, you know, of course, I can just point out to one arrangement, which is very much focused on the, the broader strategic challenge uh, that China poses uh, to its near neighbors, and that's AUKUS. So the the, uh, the arrangement of notionally focused on nuclear powered submarines between uh, Australia, the UK and the United States, uh, but but bigger than that. Um, and the reason I point out to that is you have three members of the Five Eyes, which we mentioned before, um, who is not involved in that. It's it's Canada and New Zealand. Um, so that's just one example of it. And I think there's multiple layers of it and counter arguments. But I think that um, that it is significant that uh, we weren't even thought about in this discussion, um, which is transcending beyond nuclear powered submarines. 
but getting back into uh, the nuts and bolts of intelligence sharing as well, and in the five eyes, it's not going to be a simple uh, cut and dry scenario where it's being sliced out of uh, of the group. Um, but I think what you've seen over the years and certain incidents um, and uh, intelligence leaks, et cetera, have had ups and downs in that relationship is, is the access to information. So there are times where uh, certain types of information is not coming at the certain uh, the, at the clip that it used to. Uh, and it's important to remember while Canada does have some some strong capabilities, especially especially in signals and elsewhere, um, we are largely a net recipient uh, of intelligence. Um, and when that flow sort of cuts off, I think there's going to be significant challenges. So I, th that's some of the answer to your question, but I want to return quickly to Charles's point because I think this this goes into the the discussion about some level of subject matter expertise. And if you think about uh, our allies, you know, for example, the United States, uh, uh, Australia, and the UK as as three examples, um, they're building much more subject matter expertise, in particular on China. Um, so I think of the United States, for example, uh, under their Secretary of Defense, I mean, how many officers there would be specialized on China, not even the China desk, not even the, the, the multiple China desks that they would have. Um, whereas we still are focused on this very broad scale engagement. And my worry about uh, anything coming out of this inquiry is that uh, the result might be whether it's at foreign ministry or whether it's at the Privy Council office, we start to uh, create a task force on foreign interference. And you know, everyone broadly is going to be convening multilateral meetings with colleagues on foreign interference. That's not what we need. Fundamentally, what we're talking about here is a handful, and not even a handful, basically two or three significant adversaries, two which are very consequential, which we need to understand better. And we need to action better. So what we're talking about, we're not talking about broadly people who understand foreign interference, that is important, but we need to understand people who, who understand China more, have those Chinese language skills, as Charles mentioned, and understand uh, the security dimensions of the Chinese state. And Russia would be, it would be similar. I think that we've, we've unfortunately not uh, nourished our, our uh, Russia experts as much as we should. So basically that's what we're talking about. It's not that difficult. It's not that complicated. We're going back to having and nurturing those subject matter experts and really putting um, the budgets and resources uh, towards that, which we've neglected for several decades. I mean, I think this, this is an excellent point to segue to my, my, my last, um, last question. But it's important to highlight that when everything matters, when it's, everything is strategic, when everything is key, nothing is. Um, you know, the strategy is you know matching limited resources with 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 the goals that you want to achieve. And I think in this in this way, it's very important to to get the priorities right and have a very clear-eyed uh, view of which adversaries do matter and how do we need to address that particular threat, rather than you know basically swarm everything in, in, in one big, broad um, number of discussions, cross departments, et cetera, and the end result is a very diluted and, and you know, very non-specific uh, set of uh, measures that will not be, that will not be effective. Um, so it is important to, to, to get the priorities right. And that, of course, <laughs> starts with the issue that we keep coming back uh, in some of our work before, you know, we need to have a proper foreign policy review. Um, to, to set what, what the Canadian priorities are, what the Canadian national interests are, and how to how to identify that. Uh, my last question to, to, to you both um, is, okay, so yeah, predictions are hard, as Yogi, Yogi Berra said, particularly about the future. But when you look uh, down the road to, to February, um, what do you expect uh, to come out of this, uh, this uh, inquiry? 
Well, I, what I'd like to to see is uh, the justice saying you didn't give me enough time. Uh, I haven't been able to assemble a large enough team with the security clearance, and uh, I can't deliver the report that you're asking for. You know, I think if she really takes this task with the seriousness that I, I hope that she will, that she will be aggressive and assertive and not allow the government to um, direct what an independent public inquiry should be about. And so, uh, I, you know, we don't, we haven't heard anything yet very much from uh, Justice Ogg yet, um, but uh, I'm hoping we'll hear things that will appeal to the McDonald-Laurier Institute uh, soon. Excellent, gentlemen. Well, what I'd like to see, and I mean, predicting what I what I think will happen versus what I'd like to see, I think is a little bit different. I mean, I predict that unfortunately we'll see a report, whether it's uh, some of the the mandate that she's been hampered with, but uh, or whether politics comes into play as well, is we'll see very very vague headings on certain issues, and much of this will be um, will be redacted due to national security. What I think Canadians are owed is some some specifics. I understand that they cannot have every detail um, uh, that's coming out of this inquiry. But I do think that we need some specifics, particularly on the on the last two elections, um, uh, what happened. And I, you know, an example of the last inquiry, we did find some specific uh, areas, but uh, they were not necessarily what we expected. For example, um, uh, David Johnson's point on on Handong it was very specific, was very uh, very clear. Um, you know, whatever take you have on it. Um, so I would like those same sort of specifics on many of the issues that we're talking about. It's you know we. Canadians are owed some specific answers on specific areas, and we very much hope that we get those. Excellent. Um, this is an issue we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely come back again and again, um, I believe, up to February and beyond, because this really goes it, you know, to the heart of, of Canadian democracy and our institutions and our trust in our institutions. Uh, is, is, as Charles pointed out, this has to be sorted out before the next election, because it has significant impact on how Canadians perceive the um, uh, our election security uh, uh, and this this is beyond what what uh, you know one or two writing uh, issues. So it is about our trust in the institutions, and that's that has to be uh, a priority. And and McDonald Laurie Institute will continue to hold the uh, you know uh, powers uh, to account and and make sure that uh, our byline making bad public policy unacceptable in Ottawa continue to uh, shape the way we engage uh, with these with these issues. So uh, thank you very much uh, to both of you for, I think it was a very uh, interesting discussion and um, talk to you on this and other subjects pretty soon.